hey, 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 welcome to <laughs> Improv FAQ at length. This is a series of longer conversations about improv topics that have lots of questions about uh, surrounding them. I'm James Quesada. Hey, 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 everyone, and I'm Bob Wick. <laughs> and uh, this is our very first live recorded episode. Uh, and it will also eventually be available uh, as a podcast episode. But for right now, we are doing it live uh, just to see how it goes. And we're going to do a Q&A episode for this first one. We thought that would be a good fitting uh, live episode um, because we have a handful of questions that have been submitted that we just haven't found a place for in our general episodes. And uh, we also thought that the live format obviously would lend itself to uh, any live questions if they do come up. We have plenty of questions to get through for the hour, uh, if not. But um, if you are watching live, we'll, we'll just uh, make little reminders that you are more than welcome to post your questions as we go in this episode. Um, so or, or just, just say hi. Like, yeah, or just say hi. Just say just hello. Whatever you want hello. to say. Yeah. Um, so uh, the first batch of questions that we're going to look at are from our friend Matthew Flickinger, who um, a hey. long time ago, long time ago, back in January of this year, which feels like a freaking... feels so long. What is time anymore, James? <laughs> yeah, just James, prehistoric era ago. Um, uh, back in January when I first launched the Improv FAQ channel, um, or at least started promoting it, uh, I... I made a post about it and I asked if uh, anybody had any suggestions for topics or questions that they thought would be interesting uh, to post in the comments. And uh, Matthew posted a bunch of really great ones. And um, again, I just, uh, I've, I've gotten to some of these um, in the regular episodes, but um, there's so many and, and a lot of them are really fun and nuanced. So uh, I'd like to get to the rest of them now. And thank you, Matthew, for uh, yeah. sending these questions. Um, so let's uh, let's start with this uh, first one, which is why are there always chairs in improv? Um, which I think is, you know, it's it, it, I guess it, it seems obvious, but the it's an interesting question in the fact of of like um, we we use chairs because it helps with levels. You know, a scene is going to have people seated. It's just a very functional um, and basic thing to have that helps. Uh, yeah. Without, without, without like light. Yeah. Yeah. The specific chairs that, that are pretty common in, um, right. improv and sketch are, are those lightweight kind of rounded ones. Um, and, uh, you know, it, the, the, the other part of it though, that's uh, a little bit less obvious is that it, it doesn't, um, take away much from, uh, right. the open imagination. It's still, it's still a pretty, uh, versatile tool for things that it's not meant for. So you can, uh, you, you know, you can use it to stand on and be on a Rapunzel on a tower or whatever. Um, right. which is my go-to. Plus it also uh, saves the improviser because anybody who's ever initiated a car scene by squatting down, will tell you they can't wait for the scene to be over within the first <laughs> 45 seconds. You know, you're doing that, that against the wall squat. It, it's a leg killer. So, yeah. uh, Plus, like when we do our object work, we try to get as close to the actual object as possible. So when you do drive a car or something along those lines, you're in a sitting position and you want to, you know, look the part. Yeah, for sure. I guess and I guess the the other like kind of 
hidden question in this is like why why is it mostly only chairs um in in forensics speaking and acting uh, on the acting side we we kind of had similar things going on because it's also about no costumes or set pieces and uh we would use the, the the actual like rule book was that you could only use uh chairs stools and boxes and there were rules against using things like benches or like what constitutes a bench nothing with like wheels uh it can't okay. be like painted or dressed up and 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 whatnot but um i just think it's it's interesting i've seen that in you know you see that in like black box theaters um essentially just like shapes you know um that you yeah. can use and yeah i think like a a box or a cube you know um and stools are also really nice and helpful to have so personally i think that that would add more we're, we as a kind of recurring theme on in our conversations we've talked about physicality and um just th having both wanting to see more of that and whatever and i, I think that like yes. you if you have things like chairs that are both functional and don't take away from the open imagination uh that that can add more um playfulness to how you're staging things right. Well, just to add on to that, because at the beginning, you did mention we we tend to use a specific shape of chair, which is very boring. It's just this black, simple chair with the curvy inside, just to make it a little more sturdy, I guess. Uh, the Ikea style of chair, if you will. Yeah. And I almost think of the chair as a, as a suggestion it itself. You can take a suggestion and just the suggestion of chair, sit down. Or what interesting thing can you do with this chair? What can you build with it? Can you turn yourself into an ogre by using nothing but chairs? Cause I've seen people yeah. use chairs in ridiculous ways, very playful ways. And I kind of like it when they do that with the suggestion, just because someone says the word dentist doesn't mean you have to initiate as a dentist itself. What does that word mean to you? What does this shape mean to you? Uh, how can you use it in a more interesting way? And I think that's the challenge, right? We don't have props. We don't have set pieces or, you know, anything like wardrobe. We we have to play with what's given to us. And it's supposed to be minimalist. So yeah. the chair is a, uh, a phys physical representation of our minimal minimalist style. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, <laughs> see how much we cracked that open for such a simple yeah. question. <laughs> First 15 minutes. Done. Yeah. 45 to go. What else is there? <laughs> uh, in between Why do we use a spotlight? <laughs> I got you. <laughs> um, in between questions here, I'll just uh, mention again that if anybody's tuning in and you want to drop us a question for our conversation, uh, feel free to do so. We have a list of questions otherwise that we're going to be making our way through throughout the, the episode. Um, Flickinger's next question is, how can you pull off dramatic improv? Um, which which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, and ha have you ever, have you ever done it, Bob? Have you ever done, I, I guess like maybe I've done like uh, improv on camera for something that was, that was not meant to, you know, like a commercial or something, you know, right. not necessarily meant to be funny, but it's also not necessarily meant to be like compelling storytelling. I, I don't think I've done that, um, you know, drama, entertainment, improv. I I've, haven't done a whole set where it's all dramatic, but I know I like I I like to inject dramatic scenes in a, in a silly set just to give the audience a breather. When I think when I was in conservatory, I had the opportunity to take a like a master's class at the Ant uh, with Nancy, and we were it was 
it was improv for sketch writing. And we were all running, writing the, well, not me because it was my first sketch. And usually your first couple of sketches are absolute bullshit. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was rough. Uh, she, she's an amazing person and, and spend gold out of shit. Uh, but she's, <laughs> but along the way, I learned so much. Like, you know, being in a room with like a, a super talented person is, it's just amazing. Uh, but she said something that stuck with me. Like, where is the awe moment in this? Like, you know, taking all these sketches and making uh, a review out of it. Where's the awe moment? And I, it really opened my eyes like, oh, it doesn't have to be silly, playful, jokey jokes all the time. You, I, it, it really gave me a new goal. So rather than trying to make people laugh all the time, which is fun and probably 99% of the reason why we get into this thing there's a lot of good in just making go ah and if you can do that in a couple of seconds like if you can make a character that's so relatable or or put him put him in a situation that tugs at someone's heartstrings that is also entertaining you know that's why there's the two masks right the dra- drama and the the comedy like you you want to show both sides of that and that also gives you your your total set some depth because it's not just fun and silly and funny which is Great. I'm, I'm not knocking it because I love that stuff. Uh, but if you also give uh, the audience a chance to go, ah, and then your next scene's a super fun, funny scene, like you get that much more out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree, uh, you know, that in, in improv comedy, that that's very valuable. And um, I guess more to, the specific question of how do you yeah. pull off dramatic improv like as a whole it's it's like for me it's like it's like i guess easy enough not easy enough but it's it's definitely like one um one type of energy in in a comedic set and i, I oh, think yeah. it like but i know how to use it to like highlight the rest of the show as comedy um whereas with dramatic improv if it's if it's like the whole show is that way i guess there's also not a rule that like there can't be funny moments in drama you just don't want right. to go off the rails. So I suppose that's what that's one thing is is that like you uh probably want to keep it like especially grounded and close to reality um because it's just so much more likely that if you go into like sci-fi fantasy uh, absurdity world that you're going to lose touch with the um the dramatic believably right. dramatic element of it. Um but uh but yeah, I think I would have a hard time doing dramatic improv and I guess this is the kind of the kind of thing that that like um, you know, w- as we're trying to build a, a community conversation out of this stuff. If if anyone has experience with dramatic improv, wants to chime in with uh, some tips or kind of philosophy uh, mottos that help keep it that way and and make it sure. successful, that would be great to hear. Because um, I think it's it's probably a very difficult thing to do. I, there's something inherently funny to me about the idea of improvising, of making a show up as you go. Um, when, when, when it's kind of slippery and rough around the edges, that's there's, there's funny to that. And even when it's like successful or like in genre, uh, and on the nose in these, uh, well acted moments, there's something delightful and funny about that to me as well. I I don't feel like I answered the question so I'm, I'm just going to say this, like my simple advice, like my go-to advice would be play more vulnerable in your, mm. in your characters. Like absolutely everything means that much more to you. Uh, your relationships are that much closer and, that, and, and more important to you. 
um, and just let everything affect you. And, you know, that's what a dramatic person does. And it is really play into it. And you can add silly things into it, but play them real and play them as if they're the most, there's, this is the most important moment in my life. And I'm going to put it on stage and, and I'm going to show you the real me. And I'm speaking for, for the character, of course, but that's, that's my go-to answer. That's a great answer. And, and yeah, I, I, I there, we, I'm sure that we could do, uh, uh, more with the, just the kind of, um, what do you call it? The like comedy drama theory question here, because, right. uh, because especially with like comedy, uh, in the, like the IO origin points, that, that mantra of truth and comedy, it's like, be real, be vulnerable is something that you also hear in order to make your comedy more, uh, interesting and funny, like to, to, to emphasize the comedy. So like, um, what kind of realness, what kind of truth, um, is better replied to comedy versus drama is also just an interesting question. If, if, if like that's, if that can be an approach that leads to either result, then like, what really is the difference? And then I would take off like, not just on stage, because I've known people who who've completely changed their personality as they became better improvisers because they apply that to their real life. I, I, I would say I'm a great example of that. The, the Westland guy that worked at the plant in, in, in intro one compared to who I am as a person now and how I see the world. And maybe that comes with age as well. But like when you're when you're able to be honest on stage, it makes it that much easier to be honest with yourself and with other people you care about in, in real life. Cause then you, you ask yourself the same questions. Like, why don't I be more direct? Why don't I just tell you my want rather than, you know, keep it, keep it locked inside and make it a reveal if it doesn't happen or, you know, it just how to, yeah. Well, yeah. that got deep. For it. See, <laughs> right? so, yeah. 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 So, so right now I'm being dramatic and I just, <laughs> to show you how how easy it could be if you just want to be honest with yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um okay, awesome. So uh yeah, just the tip of the iceberg there but uh, just right. a, a very interesting question about dramatic We uh, could improv. do like 2 hours on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'd actually would like to talk to Matt about that cuz I think he's really when he performs he plays very honest and real. Yeah. Um I'd love to have Mod so we'll we'll yeah, have to yeah, uh, we'll definitely. have to for sure. Um Good dude. Uh, so the next question from Matthew is um, how much does a team really need to rehearse and what should teams do at rehearsal? Um, which is something that we've kind of touched on uh, inside of other conversations, yeah. but um, maybe we can just like put a, a self-contained answer on it. Um, my initial answer is once a week is ideal. Um, yeah. Once a week, two hour rehearsals would be ideal. Th the The truth is that I think that like if if improv was something that you could do for money um, as easily as um, not as easily, I guess. But like if it, if it were the same kind of culture that that uh, you could, you know, become actor equity for improv. Uh, right. I, I would love to be in improv rehearsals uh, two or three times a week. Um Oh, absolutely. But but then but then that kind of also uh, goes to the second part of the question of what what do you do with those uh, rehearsals? But uh, I guess before we get there, what's what's your initial answer to how how much should a team rehearse? Bob? I, I love your answer. I, I do think. Well, I mean, there's factors, right? Um, because I think 
where you are as far as uh, are you a student? Have you been doing it for a while? Because what are you trying to gain from your rehearsals? Are you a new group or or are you new to each other? Are if, like for example, are you a launch group that just you got were formed by a bunch of people who auditioned, or are you like Joe and Travis who've known each other for years? So you already have that that shorthand down. So now mm-hmm. you have to just like talk about presentation or uh, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, so it's really having the goal before the rehearsal would probably be my first step. Yeah. And then how long does it take you to get to that goal? Because a group of strangers, there's so much to work on. Like you don't even know each other <laughs> and you're and you're trying to build this trust and shorthand. So even like going out to dinner can be considered rehearsal because now I know that much more about you. You know, and yeah. the more you learn about somebody, the easier it is to play with them because, you know, the reference levels, you know, life experience, you can tap into characters they maybe like to do or, or, or you know, like relatives they like to impersonate. Yeah. Um, and then I also think it's so rare that you actually need to work on the improv when you're rehearsing, unless you're a, a newer troupe, because sometimes like you have like a, an advanced one troop who, who just learned long form, maybe, yeah, maybe that is something you need to fine tune your actual improv. But if you are a group of veterans who've never played together before, you know, you might want to work on a form that you've never tried. So that might take less time because you're just talking about mechanics rather than uh, the, the, the scenes within the form. So, I yeah. mean, yeah, but ideally I would, I would suggest if you're playing regularly, you know, what are you comfortable with? And if you could do once a week, I, 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 I lean towards that. But yeah. if, because, uh, you know, you, you, we're all adults and we have life stuff like work pandemics kids, happen pandemics, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every other week at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I will also say we've, we've mentioned this before, in our conversations that um, attendance is so much more valuable than frequency. Right. Um, if, if you really want to grow and get better uh, as a team that, that uh, I would rather rehearse uh, once or twice a month with everybody there than every week where uh, half or a quarter of the people are missing. Um, you just can't make it. It's, it's, it's like you're, you're yeah. going to frustrate yourself. Cause you do that thing where your next rehearsal is catching people up on what you did in the last rehearsal. So it's boring to the people who actually attend. And then I think it kind of, it builds a little resentment. Like, you know, even <laughs> yes. I, I already did this, you know, I do this for fun and now you're making it boring because I'm repeating myself or it's, you yeah. Know. Yeah. Uh, and I also liked that, that, that you pointed out like where you're at really plays a big part in what you should right. be doing at your rehearsals because yeah i think if you're uh, a group that's still in classes or fr- like within your first couple of years of of improvising um some programs you can complete within like a year a year and a half but if you're if you're um still within like your first year or two out of classes you might want to just run reps on uh the same kind of stuff that you learn in those classes depending on what kind of like uh school approach that you're trying to go for like right. um you know doing specific character exercises or like who what where game of the scene what, whatever it may be that's kind of like the uh, pillars of um the playing style that you're looking to um work toward uh that that it's just like additional outside class time um is how your rehearsal rehearsal should be 
treated is is getting those fundamentals of yes and and uh, imagination down um just getting comfortable with uh the the cooperation and chemistry between you and and, and the your scene partners uh, once once that's no longer really the focus and you have those basics down, um, it's still really nice to do just like drills right. and, and be like this. We can do a two hour rehearsal just doing scenes on yeah. who, what, where. Um, but, you know, I, I, I my philosophy is that uh, at a certain point you are either workshopping um, technical skills yeah. Uh, which can be anything from the mechanics of a form to uh, accents and physicality and, um, you know, the acting technique. Uh, th those are like skills. And then there's also sense of play, which is just like, let's do stuff that that's so much more subjective and um, kind of set up uh, the uh, environment for free play and um, get 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 ourselves having fun and uh, taking risks and all that being in the moment and stuff like that. You know, I guess the general rule would be before your show, do you feel ready as a group, not just as, as an individual because you're creating by committee. So if there's one person in that group who doesn't feel a hundred percent, then maybe it's time to kick up the, the, the amount of rehearsal you're doing, you know, or yeah, check in with each other and trust each other and have these conversations. If you're feeling over rehearsed, then maybe it's time to pull back a little bit, you know, get, get that fear back in your stomach. So you're, you know, so you're excited to be on stage because it, yeah. there is such thing as over rehearsing. So, I mean, check in with each other before the show and after the show and just have an honest conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I think that's a good uh, pocket yeah. of, of answers. Um, we got two uh, minutes got, left. Oh we man. Got, no. <laughs> We got our buddy Tom uh, joining in the comments here. Thanks yeah, for joining, Tom. Sure. Um, hey, and, Brad. And I guess Brad's in here too. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sharing. That's cool. And for anyone else watching, uh, just a reminder that if you would like to chime in with a question about improv uh, that we can answer as we do our episode here, please feel free. Otherwise, we have a list of questions that we are currently making our way through. And I, th I'm, I, I really, uh, Matthew has probably 12 more questions on this list uh and we could do the whole episode on that but we have we have a couple more we'll, we'll put a pin in matthews come back yep. to it, maybe another uh live stream and uh or we'll, when we get a chance to have matthew on as a guest um and then uh let's move over to some of the other questions that we've had submitted uh we have one from maylin uh, who asks, does it look better to wear more professional clothes on stage or does it really matter if you dress more casual? Um, I, and I think this is a pretty common conversation or uh, debate. <laughs> what, do, what do you think, Bob? Uh, I believe the answer would be situational. Like yeah. how much is the, not how much are you, are you playing for a paying audience? Because you know, I, I'm not going to say you have to dress professional because that means something different to everybody, but you should dress, I don't know, you, you, I don't want to say clean, but your clothes should be clean. Uh, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> that's one, that's one quality. They should be one, clean. <laughs> one down. Um, yeah. But you should dress for the part. Yeah. Uh, I, I did, <laughs> we talked about it during the homeschool uh, episode. Like, I do like that look of, you know, the, the white shirt, the tie, you know, if you, most of my, I mean, 
Yeah, you got everyone to, to wear uh, suits and suits. Business, yeah, business I, attire I do like that. Like, festival but, in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's such an asshole move. Yeah. Um, but also, like, I, I think there's there's times where dressing casual, like just a, a plain T-shirt and jeans is fine. Like if, if, if the setting's casual, like for a jam or something, yeah, don't wear a suit for a jam. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know what? Dress dress so you can move, you know, don't make sure you're never restricted. Um, you know, I, I've, I probably wouldn't, but if I wanted to wear a skirt, I would make sure that, you know, if I have to play a cat or something, you wouldn't see my no, no bits. Yeah. You're wearing uh, leggings. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's my, and that's my number one answer really is, is, is that like, you can wear whatever you want so long as you can comfortably perform right. to the best at your best in it. You shouldn't be wearing anything that uh, makes you worry about damaging the clothes. You shouldn't be wearing clothes that are so nice that uh, yes. you're worried about scuffing them up or, or, you know, the go comedy stage. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of blue paint rubbed yeah. off on, on uh, my knees or butt, like because I'm scooting around and uh, then I've got a blue streak on my, uh, on my, on my khakis or something. So I learned uh, being a physical player that like, okay, well I can't wear khakis because right. <laughs> uh, that blue paint doesn't come out too, too easily. So um, that's, that's something to think about uh, uh, too right. is, is, um, you might you might get some uh, scuffs or even tears, uh, and um, so on top of just like obviously not obviously, but uh, to your point, Bob, of not wanting to restrict movement, you also uh, don't want to um, uh, worry about the the damages <laughs> that happen every once in a while. Right. My my at Second City. I don't know if it was the Second City rule or my instructor at the time just wanted us to do that, but we wore the the traditional. Like it, basically, the Blues Brothers get up where it's, you know, black suit, white shirt, uh, solid color tie. Uh, we weren't uh, we weren't supposed to wear anything that, you know, that was flashy or distracting because you're trying to dress in a way where you can morph into different characters. So it's kind of like what we were talking about, the chairs. They're so boring, but they're also yeah that way on purpose so you can apply to different things. Um, my first suit for I bought specifically for performing was this from like a vintage shop or a, like a secondhand store. You know, it, I think it cost me like 20 bucks, but it, it gave me the freedom to, I'm not going to say I look good, but I looked professional and I didn't care what happened to, to that suit at all. It yeah. could have got trashed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess maybe it's, it's, it's like, look like you're going on either a date or to an interview. And like, that's pretty right. much the spectrum is, is that like, if, if you're casual, it should be nice casual. If you were going on a casual date, if, if it's uh if it's nice, you might look more like a interview uh, dress up, but also with that cap of not wanting to get it, uh, have it restrict your movement or worry about getting uh, tears or scuffs or anything. Right. Um, I, I did, I gotta say like, like one time um, early moving to New York, I was watching a, a, a show i don't i it wasn't it was like an indie uh show but you know th there's people <laughs> in in new york uh especially the sh wearing shorts on stage is so and or even a tank top so much more acceptable and i understood wow. why being here a little longer because uh like when, when it's the summer and you're in that pedestrian mode walking everywhere like you're you can't just be wearing um, a button down or even a polo on the hottest New York days and walking around, uh, cause you're going to sweat your ass off. Uh, and that's not going to be a good look on stage either. 
Um, however, you know, like it, if it's part of your show aesthetic to be kind of like uh, super casual, cool, casual, uh, give yeah. no fucks or whatever. Um, fine. Uh, but like that, that it has to feel like it's something that you're doing on purpose. Otherwise I've seen, I've seen somebody like wear a, a hat, uh, like a, uh, trucker hat, um, tank top, uh, cut off jean shorts and, uh, like, uh, Birkenstocks, um, to perform. And I'm like, I think I hate improv. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting in the no, audience. Like, what is going on? <laughs> I'm pretty anti-hat because a hat says something about a character. So, like, you think about your stage picture, you automatically assume something. And I know I'm I'm, I'm a stickler for for this stuff. And it's, yeah, but I I don't think you should wear a hat unless there's, for lack of a better term, like a medical reason. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or, or religious, like, you know. Sure, like, sure, sure. Yes, there it is. Yeah, or, yeah. medical, medical yeah. Or, or religious would be my only, you know, and that's fine. Uh, but yeah. other than, and and honestly, like with even with casual clothes, I do like the rule. Like you're, you should, probably should try to do something like if you can go to like a plain, solid color tee. If you're gonna wear a t-shirt, I I, I lean towards that rather than having something with a band name or, you know, I. I I don't like it when people wear something like you ever seen those black shirts that have like, I don't know, like one line phrases on it. They're supposed to be clever. Um, mm-hmm. I, that annoys me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Don't want you to sh- sh- say, sh- like, say stuff or have distracting gra- graphics it, again. It, I, yeah. I guess like it's the mobility and um, not wanting to damage your, your stuff. And then another uh, just the guideline is it shouldn't be distracting to, to like the neutral playing space of creating character uh, and implying you know character wardrobe yeah people people are trying to read your shirt instead of instead of watching the scene that's the the funniest (laughs) part of your set was your shirt then you need to take some more classes (laughs) yeah um and uh shout out from tom to jinko jeans which uh i definitely wore in like middle school to just try to keep up with the cool kids and uh yeah perfect for mobility with those uh barrel size leg holes you can put so much in your pockets when you're wearing jankos I, that it's like having like two briefcases <laughs> yeah. stuck to your legs yeah. i love it um okay great so that's that's malin's question about attire and bob do we have do you, do you have some on your side yes yes uh i believe we have one from uh oh we have a few from uh, a couple of couple students here uh this first one's from our our buddy matt wixon wixon Sorry, Wixom is a city. Wixom, Wixon is a friend. It's a yeah, <laughs> I'm just drinking pop here. Wixom yeah. is a city. Wixon is our friend. <laughs> yeah, put that on a t-shirt. I, yeah. I would, I would wear that. <laughs> uh, where do you think the opportunity for innovation? Oh, sorry. Where do you think there is an opportunity for innovation with improv? You know, uh, that uh, yeah, that that's a. Do you think there's room to explore and expand the essence of what an uh, improv show can be? Oh, there's more. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Sorry, one more time. Do you think there's room to explore the essence of what an improv show can be? Uh, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, obviously, right now with the virtual realm, um, that's definitely a big arena for innovation. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that people are 
you you and I are both uh, not actively participating in, in the um, improv online, but uh, I think it's really cool, and I support the things that are going on uh, that are playing with that medium because I think that's the thing to do is is to be like, okay, what can we do with it? Um, what, my favorite thing that I've seen so far is uh, Julia's team, um, the cast, uh, which is a magnet show, and on stage it's an improvised, um, improvised community theater style play, and they did an, in the virtual medium they did a improvised um, uh, uh, reading an improvised script read. Oh, what am I, I'm, I'm missing awesome. the term here. Yeah, read, table read, read through table read. Yeah, improvised table read of a uh you know script that's never been written and and that was really cool um i thought that was a nice way to adapt their specific form to the online world and i'm sure that there's other stuff going on too i think people are starting to finally kind of like tackle the musical thing which i think is, is really fun uh north coast we've had uh, rachel rosenthal on here before and she's yeah. with uh, north coast and i know that they're, they're that's a improvised hip-hop show and uh they've started to do uh, to get their stream steady enough to have a beatboxer like they normally do on stage and the panels of people uh, doing um, freestyle hip hop to that, to that beat. So that's gotta be technically, oh, technically oh. a challenge. And I'm sure that they've gone out yeah. of their way to, to set it up as tight as possible. Uh, and that's a very cool thing to, to see too, is musical improv on um, virtual. Um, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no! Go, you go. I was, was going to say outside of the virtual question, let's talk. Let's right. talk about that. Is is like what? What else? That's exactly like, what. I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the hypothetical um, stages out there that are all well, ghost lighted at the moment. <laughs> I can't speak for every, everywhere, but what I noticed about like the places I, I mostly spent time in Detroit, but also in Cincinnati. Uh, the things I've noticed is people stay on the stage. Like if we think about going back to to stage picture um we put boundaries on ourselves you know the 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 folks who do improv watch a lot of improv and i think we almost set up paradigms of what an improv show is you know and and then we start to chip away like we've all had those troops or 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 talk to troops are like our 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 thing is we break all the rules on purpose and then you watch it and they're still sticking to the rules. They're still yes anding. They're still doing, every, but they may be hiding it or, or in denial that they're doing it because these things, you know, essentially work. That's yeah. why we learn them in the first place, the basics. Mm -hmm. um, but treating, I like it when people treat the theater as if the whole theater's a stage rather than just the stage itself. You know, don't let a carpenter tell you where to play, you know, mm -hmm. let, let the whole, you know, interact. Um People are afraid of breaking the fourth wall, but I've I've seen shows where, you know, you watch two man no show, and there's I don't think they've ever had a fourth wall, um, right? So yeah. it, you know, the interaction with audience members is different. Like, yeah, just pushing your limits or, or pushing you know what a scene can be rather than what you're used to seeing, and I think there's there's always an innovation along that line. I like, I don't have a list of things I would like to see, yeah. uh, but I know some things I have saw and liked and try to utilize myself. I, I do like when we go off stage, I do like when we, we use our imaginations and surprise yeah. people. Absolutely. 
I think, and I think that bending reality is something that right. I would love to play around with more in terms of how to innovate what, what our normal, um, I'm going to, I'm going to make a quick side disclaimer here that, uh, so, so we're, we're broadcasting in StreamYard, which I think is an amazing platform. One of the only downsides of it is that unlike zoom, it doesn't have a lot of noise rejection built into it. So, right. uh, you're probably hearing some, <laughs> I record right at the window <laughs> of, uh, New right. York city street. So, uh, I apologize if, um, through our stream yard ability to, to live stream, um, I apologize for the trade-off of uh, the noise or that you might be hearing. Are you innervating the way we do Zoom calls? <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, ben bending reality is definitely something I would love to play around with more. Yeah. Uh, things like the Elastic Time Cannon, things like the JTS Brown and yeah. uh, Freeform, and uh, the stuff that we were doing with like Javelin to just kind of like figure out this organic. Um, uh, surrealism. Um, I, I really love that. I know that that's not a that's the. Improv can be a hard enough sell to begin with. Uh, like kind of avant-garde avant improv isn't any more of an easy sell. Uh, but it is, you know, the kind of stuff that like two-man no-show do. And when it's successful, um, it can bring the house down like like uh, in, in just a new, different, special way. Um, and that's definitely one area that I would love to play around with more. The other two things that I really would love to, to see, uh, to innovate with more if I had the resources to do it um, would be things like uh, character fondue. Or uh, I wish Chris Moody uh, could chime in here because there's there's a he's always talking about this uh, this show. I think it's like a touring show where um, a group of improvisers will go to theater spaces and like whatever uh, setting set uh, stagecraft that they have set up for the play that's currently running. They'll take over that space and they'll do an improvised show using oh. those set pieces um and and that environment it's cool because it's yeah. like it's still unscripted it's still uh uh improvised but unlike all the stuff we were talking about about like chairs and stools and cubes leaving it kind of blank and black box uh they're like going to actually use like the the couches and the curtains and um right. the barricade that's set up or <laughs> whatever it is um and character fondue is a show where uh the cast uh you know six people in the cast each person comes dressed in a full character get up as a as a magician or uh a mad scientist or or whatever um elaborate you can get as elaborate as you want you come fully costumed um and then none of the other improvisers know what anyone else is going to do you're just right. you're just bringing your own character and then you get on stage and do an unscripted show um that's really cool too i, I like the idea of introducing uh costumes and props and set pieces in a way that uh, typically we um, don't put into use for the reasons we've, we've talked about, but like, okay, what if we decided to utilize those things? If you, I was thinking we've all run character workshops. It's usually one of your go-to, like when I'm say you, like if you're an improviser uh, instructor uh, or you're, you're doing a workshop at a festival, or, or if you're just going to a festival, you'll see a uh, character, this character, that how to establish character, blah, blah, blah. And I always notice this thing of when people are tasked to pimp a character or, or come up with a character like character fondue It's always these elaborate, amazing characters, but then cut to them playing usually. And it's just like a heightened version of themselves, you know, in the situation creates a character. 
I would like to see more yeah. of that. Like that'd be innovative. Like establish, like walk on with a huge, big, bigger than life, or maybe uh, even like I love that thing where multiple people create one character. Uh, I think there was a oh a, yeah, a, uh, an exercise you you used to like uh, the shared the shared monologue where where yeah, people step out. yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah so like thing. I love that kind of thing. Like that's something you don't see often. Like I just like you know t- taking stuff that people don't usually do and making it your thing or not, I don't want to make it normal but just you know using it more would be interesting to me. Like there's yeah. there's so much to innovate. Like you think of all the gears it takes to have like a, a strong if we're just talking narrative scene happen. It's there's so much like the emotion, the characters, you know, story arc, uh, location, and just heightening that. And then, how do then you go to presentation? Yeah, how do you want to tell the story? Because essentially, that's what we're doing. We're storytellers who, who use our bodies and our, our voices to, to share that story. So, how do we do that in a different way? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and those other, the, the, yeah, all those, uh, uh, interesting stage pieces are, are both, I guess for like the reality bending surrealism, there, there are ways to do that, uh, because you have a lack of costume and props and set pieces. And there are ways to, to uh, explore that, uh, with those devices as well. Yeah. Tom has a, uh, follow-up question about character fondue asking, uh, do you stay in character off stage before being called on stage for character fondue? Um, <laughs> and then he has an immediate follow-up of never mind my fondue question. I just heard myself uh, and the high bar that would be that would set. Uh, being in character the entire time would be method acting. I uh, love which, it though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, which which is true. Um, yeah. But uh, but like and 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 the answer is that it was never a requirement. But like somebody like Tom Novick probably going to be messing around in oh, character. <laughs> my first thought was Aaron Johnstone. <laughs> I yeah, woke yeah. up, put on a jersey. It was that character entire time. Made yeah, some yeah, yeah. probably really cool breakfast, yeah. and then showed up in that. So it's it's as much as it's as much as it helps yeah. you and makes it fun for you, um, but not a requirement. What we, what they did do, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the, the show, Tom, but for anyone who hasn't, um, what the the way that they would introduce their character is um, that uh, at the top of the show instead of getting a suggestion, each character would just give an introductory monologue um, in just like 60 to 90 seconds of this is, this is, this is who I am. This is my deal and a sense of who they are one by one by one uh, until the whole cast has been introduced and then uh, lights down and come back up on the show as they mix and mingle with each other. Tom also asked a, a question about, th- thanks for being here, Tom. Yeah, Tom. <laughs> uh, we appreciate the, the participation. Um, uh, he also asked a and question Brad. or uh, made a reference to, yeah, and Brad. Um, yeah. Are we sure none of these are Brad questions and <laughs> he's just using Tom's account? Uh, wait, can wait, we get wait, an wait. answer on that? No, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hacked in, hacked in. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so Tom made a reference uh, to the oh, yeah. show that Heather and I did called uh, Dicentennial, which was a Halloween show where we played uh, a dead a ghost couple that was returning for their 100-year anniversary of dying. And uh, we would walk into the stage and, and um, chit chat with the audience. And then that would inspire our characters uh, to tell stories of things that we've observed as ghosts uh, in human beings um, over the past hundred years. Uh, and that was also a show. The The main reason I wanted to uh, point it out is because that was also a show where we would use a, um, a small uh, hat rack and uh, a table setup of different um, uh, 
costume pieces. We, we would have like uh, some, some hats and other like head costume piece gear. Um, and then uh, some like, you know, glasses or masks or whatever. And then like some like scarves and jackets or whatever. Uh, and that, that was also uh, a, a lot of fun to play around with, like yeah. just swapping these costume pieces. Both of those shows, by the way, Character Fondue and Dicentennial are shows that, uh, that I would love to do show and tell episodes about. I was um, just thinking that. Yeah, yeah. that'd be cool. All right. Um, cool. So uh, you got another one on your side? Another question for us, Bob? Yes. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Do, 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 do. Um, from an anonymous <laughs> student, uh, improv often involves the audience to yell a suggestion. Every so often, the most... Uh, oh. Every so often, and then mostly... Oh my god, this is weird. Every so often and then mostly ignores them for the rest of the show, sometimes only paying lip service to the suggestion itself. Is that enough or should we be doing more? So basically, should we be doing more with suggestions rather than just kind of using them if, you know, because that does happen. Like where yeah. you get the suggestion and you kind of just give it a nod and don't really yeah, dive yeah. into what this could be. Yes. This is what I would campaign for. I would campaign for if if uh, if you are the type of improviser or team that uh, is more likely to take a sort of obligatory uh, suggestion and uh, do a montage, uh, th then I would suggest uh, not taking a suggestion. <laughs> like, and I know that that is such a golden rule of like we gotta we gotta uh, incorporate the audience and prove that it's improvised but like i i don't i think that tj and dave do not own the idea of nope. not taking a suggestion there's other there's, po yeah. pointless does it um uh um uh, blitzman uh rosowski they Rizowski all yeah, it? yeah. yeah. Rizowski's i think he's got the best take on it he's like it says improv on the building they bought a ticket that says improv we don't have to show people that it's all made up we already told them it's all you know so yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that's that's my campaign is like if if you're not if you're not doing enough with it, don't don't get one. I think that that's some of my favorite stuff. Uh, uh, be, like up until moving from Michigan, yeah. uh, some of the some of my favorite shows were uh, at Pointless because it was the only place that used didn't use a suggestion, and it was this new playground for a way to start a show, and I thought that was so cool. Um, mm -hmm. and then the, on the flip side is is that uh. I, I, yeah, I, th I think that if you uh, do want to use a suggestion or for whatever reason, that's uh, just not you're not going to go to not using one, um, then, yeah, you should have something specific in mind that you're planning to do with it and have a philosophy of, of why you're using it, whether that comes from the form or the playing style of the troupe or just right. what you want the audience to get from your show. Um, I think that, that you should be uh, particular about what you want to do with that suggestion. Yeah, I, I guess it really depends on where you are as a group. And I like to think about it in, in in these terms. Like we spend like all our intro classes learning these um, line games and how to take a suggestion. Because basically, isn't one of the main things we learn from line of games is how to take something like a suggestion and use it in interesting ways. You know, a thousand and one blank, and I can make a thousand and one blank jokes uh, just using one suggestion. Mm -hmm. And how to apply that to scene work, you know? Are yeah, you, that's a great you one. You know, uh, things you never hear is another great example. Like, what a great way to start a scene. But can we come back to it? Can we really dive? Honestly, I think using a suggestion and just really make, 
focusing on what to do with that suggestion is a really interesting challenge. And, and as, honestly, if you're doing it right, it makes improvising that much easier because you, you're sticking to the same subject. Um, I, an annoying habit I, I see people do is switching up what the scene is rather than sticking to what the scene promise and at, at the beginning. So if the promise is we're going to take the suggestion and make something out of it, yeah, do that and do that very well. Dig. And and like we said with the chairs, like it may be a mundane, boring suggestion, but how can you use it? How can you make it different? How can you innovate it? Because that's the challenge, right? We we tell people we're taking this suggestion to prove to you that it's not made up. If you're only taking the suggestion and maybe making a reference to it, how is that proving to the person that it's made up? Because this could be a written scene with a green light in the middle of it where we say, and then the dentist came, you know, or, you know, like you have a, uh, a, a completely different thing, but, yeah. Uh, or yeah. Yeah. I, there's definitely such thing as, as overusing a suggestion. Um, oh, yeah. There's a really great uh, segment about it in McNapier's uh, behind the scenes um, yeah. about, if I'm, if I'm remembering right, he basically says that like, use it early and clearly um, so that you honor the fact that you took it and the audience can see how you're using it um, for the rest of the show, gently, lightly incorporated or, or remind the audience that it's there if you can. And if you don't, the audience is, is more likely to do the work for you and see your suggestion in yeah. the performance in ways that you're maybe not even intending. And then by the end, if you can return to it um, uh, before you're done, that's, all the better is is to bring it full circle to something in the beginning, um, because because again, just just using it in the beginning is not enough to really prove in a long form show that uh, that it's improvised. By the end of it, if you connect what happened in the beginning, then that uh, kind of puts the validity on the whole show because because you can't have pre planned the end if it had to do with the thing in the beginning that was very uh, clearly improvised. Right, I love that what you said about the short form comparison, Bob, I think that that's a really great way to think about it is, is that if you were doing a line game and you can use this suggestion in, in 10 different ways to make 10 different punchlines, apply that same idea to uh, a montage or, or, or whatever else is there's so much in there to like mine from uh, in ways taking different directions and kind of like riff on it. Yeah. I, Cause I think one of the limitations people give themselves is how they ask for the suggestion and try to use that suggestion that same way within the scene. Like what's something you'd find in the kitchen? Oh, spatula. So obviously I could only use spatula as a spatula in a kitchen, you know? Uh, but when I hear it, I think of uh, there's that writing technique where I think it's called either spider webbing where you take a, a suggestion and then you think about the, you make five different categories, emotion, uh, character, blah, blah, blah. And then from there, you expand from that. I like to think about it that way. Like uh, spatula, who, well, my dad used to make pancakes all the time. And when he, when he would, he would sing. So maybe now my character sings all the time. Like, and he would make up these weird songs. I loved it. So like jumping into that with that emotion, with that, with that character gift, that's who I am. I don't have to cook. I don't have to, but maybe to, to show the audience, you know, we're using it also use a spatula as a spatula, but not necessarily that, you <laughs> yeah. know? 
Yep. Yeah. Use a spatula as a spatula and then use a spatula as a metaphor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Or, or a choice. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, cool. Awesome. Um, so we have time for one more question and we're going to make it Tim's question, uh, who chimed right. in, in the comments here. Uh, this is a great question. He said, he asks, uh, do you think theaters could help provide opportunities for improvisers who aren't students anymore, but aren't on a team? Maybe opportunities to use space for a cost to get together and practice. Otherwise, it's been hard even before the pandemic to get involved. Um, and this is one of those uh, really tough conundrums right. of a theater and a uh, community um, uh, to in, in providing opportunity um, right. because I right out the gate, the thing that comes to my mind is that there are so many people who are on uh, involved or, or, or getting regular stage time at a place like pointless or go or with like the farm team and the home team, uh, at the end. And, you know, they're, they're not even necessarily doing, uh, improv every night of the week is not their program, but even for, right. for places that do have that, the, the theaters that are, uh, improv shows five to seven days a week, um, you have like a resident cast or house team members, and it, that can get up to like a hundred people who, even just keeping them in regular rotation uh, can be yeah. a big challenge. Um, and then to also provide opportunity for uh, people, student opportunities, and also uh, that 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 gap between completing a program and getting into that hundred uh, person pool. Um, it's it's tough to to spread everything um, around it enough to really satisfy everyone. Yeah. So you're talking pre-pandemic, like situational, like, uh, yeah, yeah. And I agree. Like there are opportunities like the, the jams and everything. Um, and, it, and I, I, I'm having a rough time answering this because I also think of the theater as a business too. So they have to, you know, I I've read a couple of like Yelp, uh, reviews of different theaters where someone walked in during like an unpolished show and complaint you know you know you pay you pay five bucks you want a good show. you know you, you i don't know what that guy did for five bucks it, it could have been like a lot of hard yard work or something they want their money's worth um so you can't create too much opportunity but you should create there's got to be a balance there you know yeah. and i do think there should be opportunity to play because that's how you grow by playing um but also like you don't need the theater to create opportunity. Like there, there have been so many, like we've both ran pop-ups coming up because we wanted more opportunity. Uh, yeah. The second part of your question, um, go to different, go to these, you know, different shows and stuff, start meeting people. Part of this, you know, we're, we're, we're creating by committee. We have to become part of the community to, to, to seek out other people who are like-minded or, you know, interesting improvisers to perform with. So you, networking is part of that too. I mean, I, I do think the theaters, all the theaters I've, I've, you know, worked for or performed at have, have programs in place like the launch group or the shadow league or the farm team to, to put you together, but that ne doesn't necessarily always work either. Like, this is your art. You should seek it out. You should seek people who are like-minded and and are willing to put into work whatever you think that work should be to create a show that you guys are proud of. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and I think there's got to be balance what the theater does and what you as an artist does. 
Um, and I, I think there can be maybe more, but I, I've, I've noticed some people take those opportunities for granted. You know, I wish everybody was like Tim and just really wanted to play and, and would really, you know, step up it, when these opportunities present themselves. But unfortunately, people use these opportunities to rehearse rather than to perform. Um, so the, like that would, you know, again, the, all these theaters are businesses and have to keep that in mind. You know, AMC can't play all student sh- all student movies because who would come to <laughs> AMC other than, you know, like it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Like you got to get the I'm not calling myself a blockbuster, but like you got to get like some quality films in there. Um, but right now, during the pandemic, it's it's even harder because I don't know what the liability for a theater would be if they allowed people to come and, and use their space. Like I haven't been able to go into go since, you know, April. Yeah, um, which I'm sure that's not what Tim is asking. Uh, but OK, yeah. But but I think and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Bob, just on on this point of, of like uh, being able to use the theater space uh, for indie teams. Um, yeah. I, I remember it being that that basically if you had a um, coach that was right. basically a key holder or a uh, house team member at the theater that you basically you have access as long as it's available as a space right. with a coach. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and basically rent was you paid your coach for the my understanding i don't know if anything changed but yeah there's there's opportunity yeah yeah um, um so so and and i think that uh my broad answer is to, to the initial question tim if, if should uh theaters provide opportunities for imp- improvisers in that kind of interim between uh being students and being cast members. Uh, I think that, yes, um, I think that it's great for every theater to have some kind of um, indie feature night, whether it's Proving Grounds or uh, Bits as a tournament um, or, you know, mixers and jams. Um, uh, There's lots of really cool ways to do that. And it's probably only going to take up so much of of the calendar, but I think it should be there. And I think if if any theater isn't doing that, then... Um, they're shooting themselves in the foot for like the next generation that's uh, working their way up to being uh, a, a team member. Um, and uh, the challenge is, again, that that like I, I, also, I also understand that like there's a lot of moving parts to even just uh, programming and, and creating the resources for uh, cast members. Um, and uh, that, you know, I, but but uh, again, just to echo Bob's point is that. Um, uh, it also is like, if you present an idea and you're like, uh, man, I have an idea for like a way to get people, a, a show idea, um, names in a hat and it's, uh, cast members, students, and, uh, people in between. Um, and, and you just draw names in a hat and here's like the game show format or whatever. Um, that's probably more likely to, to happen uh, is, is if you right. have an idea or a format for it to present, then you're in a really good spot to at least pitch it and um, help them help you. Uh, and if not, then, then yeah, exactly like Bob said, you, you can also find your own way to do that uh, in, in a different space uh, and maybe build a relationship with a, um, uh, uh, a whether it's a bar or a um, dance studio or some kind of space that can be, used for the right. same purposes as a uh improv rehearsal space um uh when it's available like like uh but it's just on a little bit more on you to do the work to seek it out that's all 
All right. Groovy. Uh, Tim, thanks so much for the question. Um, yeah, buddy. Hope you're doing good. Yeah, well, appreciate it. Well, and uh, yeah, it's good. I see. Uh, yeah, I see that you're. Uh, you, you Tim mentioned that he's doing uh, all the digital jams. Um, and oh, good. I think that that's. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's the the way to do it too. Because that's how. That's also how you're going to meet people. Tim also said that his uh, circle might be a little small, but the best way to build your circle of people and and resources, um, of people in that same position with the same goals, is to uh, put yourself out there and uh, keep an eye out oh, for yeah. um, exactly who your people are. Right. Well, I mean, I look at you. Like you started out with just you and Alex. You uh, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just built from there. Like. Yep. And Tim totally can do that. He's a good dude. Yep. Absolutely. Um. So. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in and for the comments. Yes. Uh, this is a, I, I'm very happy with how our first one here went. I think that this is yeah. a great opportunity to do Q and A's and to uh, engage uh, live audience for questions when you have them. So um, if you like it and you want to see more, give us a thumbs up. Uh, even better if you want to follow on Facebook or subscribe to our YouTube channel for Improv FAQ. That goes a long way. Um, and of course, hit that notification bell so that you can Always get appreciated. Yes. a heads up when uh, we release videos and do live streams, schedule them like this. Um, also, a friendly reminder that we are in a podcast version now as well what? through Gabber Media. We have 20 episodes released anywhere that you listen to podcasts, and we are releasing those in uh 10 episode batches just to get caught up with where we're at with the episodes on YouTube um, and Facebook and uh so just be just be aware that if, if you are more of a podcast listener you can find us there too and uh sooner than later we'll be caught up um with current episodes for the more recent content youtube and facebook thanks again for joining and we'll catch you next time on improv faq at length bye bye